0: Welcome to Off the Bench with Danny Cannell, Danny Cannell back to throw Denver, to tight end. and Rajah Bell. Bell has got
1: 22 for Rajah.
2: It's all the future of football right before
1: your eyes. Just yell it out, man. He can't guard me.
2: What is going on? Happy Monday! Welcome to Off the Bench with Danny Connell and Rajah Bell. We got a loaded show to get to today eight NBA playoff games over the weekend, eight NHL playoff games over the weekend. We're going to go real deep into the NHL uh, things. And is there trouble brewing in New England? We're going to get to all that later. But let's get right to it with here's what's happening right now. All right, late night hoops last night as Houston escaped game one with a three-point victory over the Minnesota Timberwolves with help from none other than soon-to-be MVP James Harden. The Beard poured in 44 points, including seven threes, to start the Rockets' championship quest with a win. Andrew Wiggins, the Wolves' leading scorer, had 18, and Carl Anthony Towns only
1: had eight points. The Rockets look legit. The Rockets look legit uh, defensively, but offensively there were some struggles there. They don't look like they're clicking on all cylinders. Um Timberwolves could have taken a little bit more advantage. I agree with the TNT uh, broadcast. They should have exploited the post a little bit more on some of those switches. So that's concerning from their perspective. But the Rockets have to be playing good offensive basketball to win. And while James Harden was great, the rest of the team struggled last night, in my opinion. Um, elsewhere in the West, OK, Say looked good, claiming game one, 116-108 over Utah. Uh, Paul George with the self-proclaimed alter ego, playoff P. Uh, he gave that. To himself because he struggled mightily in past years and he just needs another look but he did it 36 points eight threes um meanwhile russell westbrook chipped in with 29 points 13 boards and eight assists jazz rookie donovan mitchell puts up 27 and 10 uh, but they fall short in okc
2: i got a secret for you i actually put some money on okc to really win and play to win the title at yeah. 50 to one
1: odds where are we going
2: Uh, If if it hits, we're going to prime 112, baby. So I'm going to keep an eye on those guys for sure. All right. Sources out west. There is trouble. It's still in, in San Antonio. Still some issues. Sources say Kawhi Leonard not expected to rejoin the Spurs at any point during the postseason. Uh, It appears like it's going to be a brief stay. On Sunday, San Antonio coach Craig Popovich reiterated that Kawhi isn't on the court because he hasn't been cleared by his own medical team. Leonard remains in New York and not with the team as the drama continues.
1: Uh, It's a bad look all the way around. They're going to get smoked by Golden State. Uh, They've overachieved all year. I mean, another credit to Pop and what he's able to do with with what he gets out in San Antonio. But the Kawhi situation is a mess. It's going to get uglier before it gets better. Um, And it's a shame because... You know, he's one of their own. He was drafted. He was raised. He was developed there. Um, They've just got a mess of a situation on their hands out there. No doubt. Um, All right, let's move to baseball. Bartolo Colon, big, sexy, quite flirtatious on Sunday night. The 44-year-old Rangers pitcher took a perfect game into the eighth inning. It's only against the defending World Series champ Astros. Colon would have topped Nolan Ryan as the oldest to throw a no-hitter or perfect game if he sealed the deal. Texas ultimately won in extras.
2: So when you look at Tom Brady, you're like, how does he do it at his age? Yeah. Bartolo Colon, there's no question, like, how does he do? Because it's not his diet, right? Like, right, he's right, fat and like not very. He's not ascribing to the Tom Brady way of life. Yeah, but somehow he keeps getting it done. That's the difference in baseball and football for you, I think, right there. Especially being a pitcher. All right, in New England, the 2018 offseason Rob Gronkowski saga continues. Apparently, he's still deciding whether to play or not. The Pat's side end will not attend the start of New England's offseason program today. Gronk uh Gronk just alone is not enough drama though. Tom Brady also, he's out. He was on a business trip in Qatar. He was not there either.
1: What goes on a business trip in Qatar? In Qatar. I mean, or you've got Qatar. to have some big business in either yeah. <laughs> you're in Qatar or Qatar. There's some right. big things. Big things I yeah. but um you know, this this Pat's way, I guess we're gonna get into it a little later in the in the pod, but there's some stuff there. And look, Rob Gronkowski – you know, for all the hits that football's taking, it's a grueling sport in and of itself, like during the regular season. Those extra miles on your body and OTAs and and and, and non mandatory stuff, like if I were playing football, I'd skip half that stuff too. Especially if I've been there done that. Um, you know, Heck I know yeah. what you are doing. I'm out. <laughs> yep. Um, how about the Las Vegas? Yeah, how tonight? about them? How about that? Um, three third period goals, uh, lead them to a commanding three oh series lead over the Kings. Vegas has yet to lose a playoff game, uh, in their Franchise history. What do you about that? Look at that. Unbelievable. That's our NHL
2: recap right there. <laughs> All right. Let's move on to what we learned over the weekend. All right. First up, we learned that the East won't be a cakewalk for the Cavs as the Pacers dominated them. 98-80. It wasn't even close. Uh, LeBron previously had won 21 straight first round one games, and
1: that streak is no longer anymore. They were dominated. It wasn't even close. It wasn't close. I, I think – when people look at like NBA, NFL like major highest level sports, they can tend to overthink it like they just do and and the essence of sport is if I come out and want it more than you and I play harder than you, I'm probably going to beat you, mm-hmm. provided you're comparing apples to apples in terms of talent, which quite frankly with LeBron sometimes you're not but this year. Uh, because of his supporting cast you kind of are so you clearly saw a Pacers team that was more motivated more focused and came out more ready to play than the Cavs and that will get you down 21 points real quick which is embarrassing on your home court in Cleveland um, that's embarrassing and then you know I I just I worry about them going forward I mean I still had them and I guess I still will when push comes to shove say that LeBron gets out of the east just because history tells me he will Danny but that is ugly, and if he's not going to get help from that supporting cast, it's going to get uglier.
2: So I was watching this game, and after the first quarter, I kept thinking, much like I thought all season long, I'm like they'll be fine, they're going to work it out. So I actually took a bet on the, on the Cavs after the first quarter because they got three and a half right. for the rest of the game. So I'm right. like, hey, they entered the, you know five point favorite. I'll take. I'll get them as the underdog. They never. They tried to mount little surges, and they had a couple little mini runs where they'd cut into the lead a little bit. But Indiana was having none of it. And that, to me, has always been the thing. And it's been – I think you hit on something there because I think we make a big deal out of every – and that's kind of what we do in today's media. But – like, if this was the Warriors, you're saying, oh, they'll be fine because they have more talent. They can just show up. Yeah. I don't know if the Cavs are that talented. They're not. Like, that's my biggest – outside, and it wasn't LeBron's fault. Like, LeBron had a pretty solid game. Like, as far as his standards, yeah. went, he still had the triple-double, still had 24. It wasn't on him. It was in all those new pieces that are surrounding him.
1: Yes, I agree with you 100%. And, and it started – we were watching a highlight before of, of – Lance Stevenson early in the game coming right down the middle and dunking on, on on Jeff Green. Yeah. You don't let that happen if you're Jeff Green. Like, you send a message in the playoffs that this, is, this, this paint is a no-fly zone. I mean, there are little subtleties um, that if you're a good playoff basketball player from the Cavs, like, side of it, you would have taken care of. And that was one of them. That's a statement. You're coming down my lane. He's not an explosive, high-flying dude. You just take him out of the air. Put him to the ground. Flagrant if you need to. But that's not going to happen in our house today. And I always say this about – LeBron's teams, and this is when you're playing with fire. When you've got LeBron on your team, he doesn't care about the regular season. He makes no mistakes about that. He tells the whole world. He right. gives no, you know, he cares very little about what happens in the regular season because he knows that he can flip that switch. Um, and I would caution LeBron: the teams that you've been able to do that with have been very, very good teams. Aside from you, you've had multiple All Stars on those teams, and so those guys might be able to flip a switch. But now you're dealing with the team where you don't have a peer. Like Kevin Love is great, but he's not your peer. Like he's a level b- below you. Not all of those guys are going to be able to flip that switch. You saw it last night. They tried to do it, and they could not get it done.
2: So, panic meter. <laughs> if you're a Cavs, because you in full thought, panic mode. but you thought, didn't you? Uh, to correct me if I'm wrong, but didn't you think Indiana would give them a little bit of a fight? Or no? Did you have the Cavs in four? I, I didn't, or five? I,
1: I think I probably had them in five. I didn't think. I don't remember exactly what I said. Are you are you changing that? You had Cavs in five coming in. I do think that the Cavs will win this series. But what this is showing me is that I don't know that I was right in having them coming out of the East. I think they'll beat Indiana, but it's danger will Robinson in terms of getting out of the East.
2: Right. What's funny is I've always looked for a team that could beat them, and and as, as everybody has, yeah. and you're always looking at Toronto, yeah. you're looking at Boston, like, yeah. if, and now we're seeing Indiana giving they're, them
1: a run. They're four and one against them this year, right? They are. I mean, they're young. They spread you out. Cleveland is horrific defensively. Um, there's not like Oladipo Ola is fantastic, but they got a bunch of guys that could get you like 17, 18 points. They they, they might be the recipe of a team, like the blueprint that you would need to, to to really be a problem for the Cavs.
2: All right, next up for what we learned, we learned that the Warriors can indeed survive for now without Steph Curry. I. I don't know if we learned anything about the Warriors, to be honest with you, because the Spurs were the perfect matchup without Kawhi. It's not the Spurs team of old. It's not the dynasty. This team is undermanned. You saw the frustration in Pop's voice after, like saying, what do you want me to do? You know, are we going to, are we going to play? Is is Kevin Durant not going to be the best, one of the best players in the world? No, that's not going to change. So I actually don't know if we learned anything about the Warriors.
1: I don't think, I think you learned that. Like the suspicions that they were just frustrated. I mean, not frustrated, but bored with the end of the regular season were confirmed, right? That's what that is. They were just kind of bored. Everyone wanted to point to their team falling apart. I heard someone say that the Spurs were going to beat them in a playoff series. Like people were completely um, delusional. Delusional. <laughs> yeah, that's ridiculous. Um That team has been to three straight finals. They played into late June, mid-June for the last three years. A lot of basketball. It was natural that they'd be bored at the end of that season. They're going to be fine. The only time that Steph Curry is going to become a problem for them is if they get um, the Rockets or OKC – in the Western Conference finals. If they should pull one of those two teams, that's the only problem. Not even the finals. They'll win the finals against the Eastern Conference right. team without Steph, but one of those two teams in the West if you don't have Steph, you have a problem. So Steph was
2: reevaluated on Friday. He's going to continue his on-court work with running and lateral movement. I've I've seen some of the videos around. I don't want to say I'm a doctor, but I think he's going to be fine. I think he probably could play in this series if they wanted him to, but they're like, why? Why risk it? Well, and you've
1: made the point before about, like, last year when he got banged up or the year before that. Right. You just want to make sure he's 100% right. ready to go.
2: So he'll be back uh, before long. All right, here's what we learned, part three. We learned that Ben Simmons already belongs in the game's elite. Uh, I wonder who this was written uh, by. The Sixers had no problem with the playoff stage. Our boy Debo coming up with that script. I wish
1: he was in the room with us. Like, <laughs> you I can still
2: he, blast him yeah. on here if you want. Oh, okay. So they did blow out the heat. Uh, they were trailing by four, but they turned on the Jets at halftime. They won 130-103. to 103. They did look good. The heat did not look very good. Uh, did we learn anything about the Sixers?
1: Yeah, the Sixers are for real. Yeah, like, again, uh, I mean, I, I, we learned something about the Sixers. They're for real. They spread you out. I mean, see, they are the antithesis of the Cleveland Cavaliers. Those kids are up. They're defending. They're in your face. They're taking away passes. They are. They're hungry. Um, and that's a kind of cool thing to watch. I would always like when I was with the Cavs and I'd be in the front office and I would try to articulate to like David Griffin um, the difference between like. Defensively, because he'd watch them and be like, hey, it looks like they're playing defense. And I'm like, yeah, there, there's a difference between playing defense and giving a guy like this much space, which is like three feet essentially, or playing defense and giving a guy a foot. That changes everything for the offensive player, right? His His decision-making is sped up. Like he's uncomfortable. And the Sixers play, they give you a foot. They're taking everything away. They're in pressure mode. And that just changes what you do offensively. They're better at playing the type of game that they played in game one than the Heat are. I believe, and like I said last week on the pod, the Heat have to go through Hassan Whiteside. And this is a beef between Eric Spolstra and Hassan Whiteside right now. It's taken on a life of its own. It doesn't get a whole lot of credit um, or media play outside of, of, of Florida. But it's ugly because he is a dominant big man. I don't love his game, but you are going to get beat against the Sixers trying to do what the Sixers do. They're better than you. They've got better personnel. Um, the the Ben Simmonses of the world, the J.J. Reddicks of the world, the Covingtons, the the Markel Fultz, they're better than you at that. You have to figure out how to put differences aside and go through Hassan Whiteside and beat up the underbelly of that Sixers defense while Embiid is out. When he comes back, if you want to make the argument that you gotta, you know, match up another way, fine. But while he's out, you have to decimate the interior of that that defense, and they're not doing it. So you're going to get beat.
2: No, Hazan Watts was non-existent practically. only had two points in 12 minutes. Uh, This one, it's interesting because they're doing this without Joel Embiid, and I think they could almost – it feels like especially after the win they had then they can have the luxury of waiting until Joel Embiid is 100% cuz he's cleared his concussion protocol. He's still going to have to wear that mask which he's wearing. But if you're them, why rush him back? Especially oh,
1: with a player who has an injury history like him, you might as well just take your time. The playoffs are fantastic for a lot of reasons, but like the the complexion of a series changes so drastically from game to game. Like you know, everyone's having these knee-jerk reactions. Like, say that the heat got blown out by whatever they got blown out by. Right. Well, that all goes away. You come in and you steal a game two. Like you've won that part of the series. Do you know what I mean? Like the same with the minute the Milwaukee Bucks. Like you got beat, but if you eke out game two, you are the winner in terms of the first two games because you leave um with with the home court advantage flipped in in, in, in uh your favor. And as far as those injuries go, like a Steph and an Embiid, every game that you get. You bank a, a more rest for said player. So you're just watching the series unfold. And if you don't need him, you don't play him and it buys him more rest. So you're actually, you know, that's a motivational tool for a team. Like, look, go, go out and win this. We get more rest for MB. All right. So we talked about at the beginning of the show, the
2: Patriots. Yeah. Gronk is a no show and there is a lot of drama. So I, I feel like there's a race to always be the guy who says, there it is. The dynasty's over. There it is. Tom Brady's done. Right. For the first time, because I've always defended the Patriots, been like, nope, until I see it, I'm not going to believe it. But I do feel
1: like there is – There's some chinks. Yeah, I, I there. feel
2: like there's some problems cropping up where maybe it is. Maybe the the run, which has been incredible, maybe it is. Because they have won five Super Bowls. They've been to eight in the Belichick era. But the players – Yeah. And it's kind of 2018. It's what we do. Players are more outspoken. They're more vocal. They are speaking up. So you got Gronk, who says he won't be there. He's still contemplating his future, which goes back and forth. Danny Amendola did a a sit-down with ESPN, and he said, quote, talking about Bill Belichick playing for him, it's not easy. That's for sure. He's a bleep sometimes. There were a lot of things I didn't like about playing for him, but I must say the things I didn't like were all in regards to getting the team better, and I respected him. So that's one player, prominent sure. player. Nate Solder, also another prominent uh, player for the Patriots in their run, wrote a piece in the Players' Tribune. He said he doesn't have any complaints, and he's grateful for his time in New England. But he did say, quote, it can be a tough environment. It's very businesslike, and at times it can be cold. Everything in New England is predicated on performance. It's a place where people sometimes treat you differently based on how you – Practice that day, or have you questioned uh, answered a question? In a meeting. One day you could walk around the facility feeling like a pro bowler. The next, like you're about to get cut. The Patriots have a standard. The pressure is very real. That's the culture they've built. It's a winning culture, and it's why they've been so successful.
1: Yeah, um, it takes certain type of individuals to be able to to be able to go through that grind. Not everybody's built for that. I think it's why you know you see them being very selective about the type of guy they bring into New England because they're aware that not everybody is going to flourish in that environment. You know, the NFL is really interesting because when I watch the NFL and the NBA, let's say, the NFL seems like a way more controlling league. Oh, yeah, the totally. Like they've got way more control over their players. they got control over the message that their players are, are speaking out. Like, they, they just control way more. The NBA, there's more latitude for players, and you've seen a shift. Like, I talked about the Jerry Sloan, Darren Williams thing – um on our pod and you know I, I spoke about it on another pod and and the host was like it sounds like Jerry and Darren's beef was all over a generational gap and it's it's kind of nail on the head it is and in the NBA you know coaches have to adjust way more because the players have more control they have more say um the NFL it seems like they've gotten away with some of these guys just being old school my way to the highway iron fist um That only lasts for so long. And so, to the point you made about, you know, somebody being first to the table with the dynasty being over, it's only a matter of time. Right. Like, they're going to wind up with enough guys in there with a voice or enough people leaving there telling about what happens. Enough of that's going to happen to where he's got to change or the franchise has to make a move. I don't know how long that is. Um, I imagine once they stop winning championships, if they stop winning championships, it may coincide with like when Tom Brady retires because he's maybe the greatest <laughs> of all time. Right, but at some point that's got to give because you've got a whole generation of player now um, that isn't cut from the same cloth as Belichick is, and there's going to be differences there. There're going to be irreconcilable differences, and winning cures all. And so, when you stop winning, you'll probably start to see that that stuff start to really fall apart.
2: Yeah, I think it all comes down to one thing: that difference in the NBA players and the NFL players, and why the NBA players have more control. It's one reason: guaranteed contracts. Guaranteed contracts, right. Because in the NFL, players will our coaches will hold over the fact that they can cut you. They'll hold that over your head all the time. So it's a culture of fear, like you're, absolutely. You're fear most your team, every and week. most teams have that culture. Even like in a fifty-three man roster, I would say. Forty of the guys are just eight are just, years. and even those thirteen that are kind of that are set in stone, like yeah. the quarterback. You got a couple of Pro Bowlers, That's incredible to me. Even them, it's kind of on a year to year. Like you might feel okay because you just came off a of Pro Bowl year, right? But you better produce every year. That's, That's exactly. it's like the secret sauce of why the NFL is so competitive. Why you don't see that many teams that are just atrocious and just give up, right? Because they're always holding that contract over your head, and it is a miserable existence. Like, it really is. If you're one of those borderline guys, there's never any security. Yeah. There's never any certainty over, hey, I can set up. And it's just – it's a miserable existence you need to pick to another live.
1: sport, bro. <laughs> all right. Some of those guys need to pick another sport. <laughs> the NBA, NBA money. money is good money. And it's guaranteed, it's guaranteed money. <laughs> like, Yeah, I I could see from a fan's perspective and an organization's perspective why you would want the non-guaranteed. Absolutely. It's sense in the world. But from a player's perspective, I mean, to produce – in a culture of fear, it could motivate you for a minute. Right. But if I'm in fear for my job, it becomes, it becomes a deterrent at some point. Like it's, I now have these, like, uh, I have anxiety about doing my job. If I got to perform for my supper, every time we go out there, if I have a bad game, I get cut. Like, I would not work well.
2: I was – and I was – because I was in that situation a lot. I was on that bubble in training camp, and I would go out there and play paralyzed with fear, like, oh, don't throw that interception, or you might get cut, which makes you less likely to throw the touchdown because you're nervous and you just want to take the safer throw.
1: Now you're not – you know, I say this to parents on my team sometimes about, like, they said that, well, my son didn't make any mistakes. I'm like, yeah, but he's not playing the game. He's just out there – Trying to not make mistakes There are two different things. Like not making mistakes and not playing the game is as bad as trying to play the game and making mistakes. Like you can't just be out there trying not to f, f up, and that's right. what's essentially what you're what you're doing if you're playing for your supper. Right. The best the best
2: way to perform is when you're kind of free of that fear. You can go out there and you don't want to make mistakes, but you're not afraid to take calculated risks. Right. That's what it comes down to. the it, The issue with Gronk, I think, is interesting because this whole indecision of is he going to play? Is he not going to play? It's it's going to be. The way this is playing out, I think, is longer than I expected. Like, I thought he would have silenced the critics by now. And the fact that he's still debating it makes me really wonder if he does come back and play. I think... And there's got to be a ton of money on the table from
1: WWE. Yeah.
2: Like, I think you could probably make really good money being a WWE character. And then you have another career to go to. Because what's Gronk, like, in reality, what is Gronk going to do after football?
1: WWE. (laughs)
2: Exactly. So why not start it now? Because I don't see him going to be like a money manager. He's not going to, you know, going to be an accountant.
1: If I, if I had to guess, I would say he's coming back this year. It'll be late. He's soul searching right now, I think. But if he has an injury this year or something doesn't go well, this will be the last year. And so next year, this decision will be a lot easier. I think right now he's in that soul searching phase. And from my Experience like late in that career. It's not that easy to give it up. If you still have something that you want, like you still have some tread left on the tire. It's not clear that you're done. It's a hard thing to walk away from. Now, clearly I didn't play football and I'd have the type of catastrophic injuries that he's had, but I would imagine he comes back this year when push comes to shove late Patriot way, what have you, he, he sucks it up and he comes back. But then next year it's a lot easier for him to say, all right, peace. I'm out.
2: Yeah. He's I've always said every player that's debating retirement Play until they kick you out. Yeah. You know, like re- literally. It's, yeah, you, it's, you can't ever get it back. It is it ready. is really tough to get to. Debo, our producer, came up with a little new segment. We call it socially relevant okay. because there is a lot of social media. Players have a voice more than ever. Sometimes it's great, sometimes it can be annoying, sometimes it's just there. So we have to start with a young, outspoken social media guy, and that's Joel Embiid. Yeah. So he had an Instagram post just before the start of the postseason, and he used the hashtag hashtag Phantom of the Process. And then he proceeds to put pictures on the hypothetical Sixers matchups all the way through the finals, including the Heat, Celtics, Cavs, and Warriors, basically saying, we're going to go through them all.
1: Oh, word. I see UMB. You like it? Visualize the process. Yeah. Like, yeah, no, I I, I don't mind it. Like, he's got a playful personality on social media. I, You know, if if LeBron James or somebody does it, it's kind of – misconstrued like right or, or right is he seriously guaranteeing them yeah right. but like I think Joel Embiid could get away with that
2: I think Joel Embiid if if Shaquille O'Neal was in the social media era he would have been like Joel Embiid right like just having fun with it talking trash but not like kind of keeping it playful yeah which I'm totally cool with as long as he does that all right let's move on to overreaction and proper reaction to some NBA playoff stories mm-hmm. all right the Rockets won't sweep is that an overreaction or a
1: proper reaction no overreaction I mean, they didn't look great offensively last night, but they are dynamic offensively when they're firing on all cylinders. And I don't expect – offense is one of the things that can be a night-to-night thing. Like, you can offense can click back really quickly. Defense sometimes is more cultural, um, and it's hard to find a rhythm defensively if you haven't been a good defensive team. The Rockets can find the stroke. Those guys won't miss threes like that. I mean, if they do, they'll lose. But they won't miss threes like that um, every night. Minnesota, though, I said coming in, is a scary team because of all the talent that they have. But D. Rose played out of his mind last night, um, and they don't, seem, they don't seem like tactically where they need to be to beat Houston. If Houston is going to switch all those pick-and-rolls, you must punish them in the paint every time they switch and, and destroy that matchup um, down low. And they don't seem to really get that, so I, I think it's an overreaction.
2: It's a total overreaction because they played awful outside of James Harden and they still won. Like that to me is a sign that they're actually in better shape to actually sweep because they're not going to go three for 25 again from three. Like they're just, they're good. They're a better shooting uh, team than that. So I think they will sweep and get that extra playoff rest. All right. Speaking of playoffs, how about playoff P, your boy Paul George? He is the most important player to the Thunder's playoff success. Overreaction or proper reaction?
1: That is a proper reaction. Ooh, yeah, that is not proper. your boy Russell Westbrook. No, Russ is what makes that team go right. But Russ is always kind of fantastic in terms of a, a number line. Now, Russ's field goal percentage at times can can have a is an indicator as to whether they win or lose. But he's always going to be who he is. Having a viable number two or one B, if you will, is critical to their success in the playoffs. So I don't. He is the most important because I already know what I'm getting out of Russ. Right. Uh, playoff P has been up and down this year. And if he's consistent, he doesn't have to be um, 36 points on 8 for 11 threes. But if he's a consistent 1B or number two to Westbrook, they can have some sustained playoff success. Um, so, yeah, I'd say that's a proper reaction. How comfortable are you with Paul George like thriving in that role? I'm not super comfortable. <laughs> but, no, I am. No, he's been great in the playoffs. What he doesn't do well – typically and i think the numbers bear this out is close a game with that game winning shot and i don't think he's in the minority like that's a tough thing for guys you know i think lebron struggled with that up front but uh paul george has been great in the playoffs in years past when he used to battle with the heat and last year when he battled with the cavs like he had great numbers he just couldn't close games so i'm comfortable with i'm comfortable with paul george playing playoff p
2: all right next one overreaction or proper reaction al horford is versatile and good enough to carry the celtics to a
1: series victory over the bucks that is an overreaction. Um, it's overreaction, but it's it's kind of proper because Al Horford is a versatile, very good player and at times good enough to probably lift the Celtics over the Milwaukee Bucks, but I don't think that he's going to be able um, to carry them to a, a series win against the Bucks. I don't imagine this is going to be a four, five, six-game series. I think it's long. I think it's drawn out, maybe six or seven, um, and I don't think that over that course of time Al Horford is going to be able to lift them to victories over the the Bucks.
2: I was probably too flippant about this, saying ah uh, the Bucks are going to beat the Celtics. Yeah. I still feel like they will, but I don't know if I gave enough credit to Brad Stevens and the job he does as a coach. He's fantastic. He is really good coach, especially considering the injuries they have. And if it does go seven, they might actually get Marcus Smart back uh, for potential Game Seven if yeah. they do get there. All right, next up, Saturday's Game One win was what the Raptors needed to exercise their playoff demons. Overreaction or pro, uh, proper reaction? I'll handle this one. That that is an overreaction right there because I need to see way more out of this Toronto team than just a game one win against the Wizards. I, I think this I think this series could go deeper, yeah. but even if they win this series, it's not enough for me to see them do it. Like It's a question for me until they get to the, uh, the finals.
1: Yeah, but I think it's a proper reaction in terms of they needed that. Yes. They couldn't come out and lose game one, so I think they needed it, but I'm in your camp with like – They've got way more work to do in terms of exercise and playoff demons. Don't count out. Like, it's just game one at home. Again, Washington wins Game Two, ekes one out. Washington now has flipped home court advantage, and we're talking about a different series. Like they're not out of the woods yet.
2: So Debo just sent me a note it said they had lost the previous ten Game Ones of series. So maybe that is a huge like mental block, one. mental hurdle yeah. hurdle to get over. All right, the Pelicans are going to beat the Blazers. Overreaction or proper reaction?
1: Proper reaction. I said it on I said it on the pod last week. They're going to beat the Blazers. <laughs> Bam. It's going to be um going to be a series. I'm not. I don't. I don't think that Game One has made me like change my opinion on it. It's gonna be a series that I don't think game one wasn't as close as the final score indicated either. Like the Pelicans were in firm control of that. I just I think that Lillard and McCullum, as fantastic as they are, when you've got the two small guards on the playoffs that don't really defend, you could have problems. Um and so I'm gonna go with the Pelicans.
2: Uh Anthony Davis, too, a monster game, 35 points and 14 boards to go along with that. All right, we uh, we do – there's a lot of negativity in sports media, yep. so we need to, like, some feel-good stuff. Oh, And there was a great story out of Syracuse in their spring game. So they have a quarterback who's actually battling cancer, and he threw a touchdown during their spring game. Pretty cool. He had testicular cancer, and he was coming back for it. And so they got him in the game. Good to see that, too. I mean, there's nothing better for a guy's spirits either than to go out there while he's undergoing, you know, treatment for yeah. cancer than oh, to no. be with his boys and to get to have a moment like that. Really cool moment uh, for Syracuse, and I know Hannah's cheering on for that. Let's finish out strong. Debo. what do you got for us for topics?
0: Des Bryant has been throwing up the X less and less in recent years and won't be doing so at all in a Cowboys uniform anymore. On Friday, Dallas released the eight-year vet. Bryant went on a little Twitter spurt, feels a little disrespected but does he have anything left to offer? He does have something
2: left to offer, but not at his salary. He was going to cut, it was $12 million salary was going to count 16 mil against the cap. The Cowboys repeatedly went to him and wanted him to take a pay cut. And he was saying, Nope, I'm not going to do it. And at every player's at some point in every player's career, they come to a point where they think they're worth something. And everybody, including their team is telling them you're not worth that much. And it's a harsh reality. And that's where Des Bryant is right now. Yeah. I mean, comes back to yeah, guaranteed money,
1: man. You can want what you want, but the market is going to dictate what you get. I, I just think someone is going to wind up with a really good receiver, and clearly not this receiver that he was, but some other team that's in need uh, of maybe that last piece with their receiving core is going to wind up with something falling in their lap.
2: You know who likes to get players at a bargain? I the do. The Patriots. I, do. <laughs> <laughs> I guarantee you, uh, yeah. Bill Belichick Is he a them. Patriots way guy? I don't know because I never thought Randy Moss was. Yeah. Like I never would have imagined Randy Moss going in there and lighting it up. Right. And I think if you buy in and you have a chip on your shoulder and you want to prove to your old team that they were wrong, and, then you go in there and you play hard. And if you
1: want to get paid,
0: maybe you let the best quarterback in the world throw you the ball. <laughs> exactly. I so can get, get paid. Exactly. Uh, another receiver, a little bit on the downside of his career. You guys know Mike Wallace? Mm hmm. Oh. So he played for the Steelers, Dolphins, Ravens, now on the Eagles. Philly's offseason program begins today, and if he weighs under 250 pounds, he'll receive a whopping $585,000. The thing is, he's listed at 200 pounds. Question is Does he have the at eight, greatest agent of all time?
2: This must have been like a total formality. I don't know why they even have us in his contract. Like, who's going to put on fifty pounds yeah. in an off season? I mean, I guess it's like worst case scenario
1: you're protecting against that's salary cap circumvention, to yeah. a, right? Like, yeah, that's money that doesn't have to hit your books if you're. I mean, I don't know technically. No, that's what NFL, it sounds like. But yeah, that's a way to get around. It's creative thinking from a GM and an agent, and like, hey, good
2: for the agent it, and good for Mike good Wallace for like, and
0: good for the Eagles. Right? It's a win-win-win. Good for us all. Uh, the Marlins will play the Yankees in the Bronx in a few days. The Marlins' new owner also happens to be one of the most popular Yankees of all time. I guess that makes things awkward. Derek Jeter won't be attending games at Yankee Stadium, citing that very reason.
1: Come on, Jeets. you got to go to the game. Yeah, what are we talking about? Awkward, <laughs> right? You... I mean, it's no big deal. Like, get over it. You're paid to do a job. You got a team on the field. You need to be there. And like, what? You're you're one of the greatest yankees of all time we mean awkward
2: he's the captain like new yorkers love derek jeter there's no way he's gonna get booed he would get received with a warm welcome go to the game get it over with because now every time you go back and play there people are gonna be like well what you know what's going on why isn't he here and then it becomes a
1: story just go get it out of the way it's not a big deal i think it's funny that he said like it would be taken away from his team like you doing what you're
0: doing right now is worse about you
1: (laughs) just go to the game and 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 support exactly
0: uh, Jeter won't be there for the games happening in a couple of days. Across baseball, weather has been an issue, but this might get Raja a little more invested in what's happening on the diamond. Okay. Or actually, the drum- Jumbotron. A delay in Cleveland prompted someone to put up a live game of Fortnite on the Jumbotron. Yes, Raja, what are your kind of ideal playing conditions? Are you like being in a dark room? What is it?
1: Um, yeah, I like a semi-dark room. I can't have a shadow on the TV because I'm not that good and my eyes aren't great. <laughs> so I need to be able to see like a, a nice bright screen. Um, I don't like a lot of chatter around me. So when the boys are around like trying to tell me what to do, it makes me really like anxious and nervous on the controller. So I like kind of quiet, um, dark room where I can concentrate. My question about the Jumbotron was like, who was playing? Was it what is- like,
2: That's what baseball needs because they have rain delays all the time. Is just have a player from each team, have them in their dugout with Fortnite going on and put it on the jump, and then people have a reason to kind of stick around because
1: bad Fortnite games are terrible. It's like a veggie burger. Good ones are great, bad ones are awful. Well, that's why you
2: got to get your find out who your best player is because I guarantee they'd all be lining up to get up there and play. So you get your best player, and they can figure that out in the downtime. And then the rain delay starts, players would be praying for rain. They would want they already are because they like the off day, but they would be out there saying, "Let me get up there and." me
1: play. I might and cancel then... my workout in a minute and go play Fortnite. <laughs>
0: yeah. Don't do it. Don't cancel <laughs> that workout. What technology you've made yet? <laughs> Veggie Burger. All right. Yeah. Final topic of the day. But true. Destiny's Child reunited at Coachella. Raja, remind you of the 0-1 finals?
1: <laughs> yeah. Did they get booed? No.
0: No. They Did <laughs>
1: They booed they booed Destiny's Child in one like in Philly I think for the All-Star game because one of the young ladies came out they were trying to represent everyone in the league so one of them had a Kobe jersey on oh. and they got booed I mean Philly's a rough town but <laughs> like coach where's like you guys know I don't Cali know. man it's out in coach the desert Child. Beyonce like headliner she made history yo anything Beyonce's involved in is dope so like I didn't see it admittedly but You know what's had to not dope, dope?
2: Yeah. she is trying to control pictures that are taking of her she only wants approved pictures on the internet. Really? Yeah. She is- wants, because she said she thinks there could be unflattering pictures of her, like people with their cell phones. I have no idea how you're going to police that because people are going to post stuff anyway. Correct. But hey. Like, let it, you're, you're famous. That's what's going to happen to you. That's part of the territory. I
1: mean, I, lo- I lose a little bit. I think I lose a little respect when you start. What do you, what do you right, care? Right, you try to
2: control the message, Beyonce, right? what do you care? Hey, I'm with you. All right, uh, so we'll get, we're going to dive more into the Beyonce situation once we get Tana back on the show, uh, which she'll be back on Wednesday, we hope. We, need, we need the expertise on uh, Beyonce. All right, that's a wrap for us. Thanks for being patient with the show. We're trying something new here with the little cameras. Hopefully, we have a big announcement to make. We'll see. It depends on how this is reviewed. (laughs) Who knows? Maybe we will need some makeup in here, though. Yeah, exactly. Uh, Early. We'll be back on Wednesday with the pod. Uh, Make sure you follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Danny, uh, uh, not mine, at Danny Cannell, (laughs) but at Cannell and (laughs) Bell, you can follow us. And as always, go subscribe on iTunes. Leave us that five-star review for our five-star Q&A on Friday. Thanks for listening.